This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, what I can tell you is Shep Hyken is a customer experience expert and keynote speaker. He is a New York Times bestselling author of seven books, including Moments of Magic, The Cult of the Customer, Amaze Every Customer Every Time, and The Convenience Revolution. He has also created the Customer Focus, a customer service training program. Shep works with companies who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. Welcome to the show, Shep. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, it is great to be here. Thank you. It's a beautiful, beautiful day today. It's a fantastic day. Is it sunny? Is it sunny and shining where you are? Because it is here in oh, Ontario, yeah. Canada. Fantastic. Right. I mean, every day is sunny and shiny, even when you get up in the morning. Absolutely. <laughs> At least it starts that way, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, this has been something that's been on the calendar for quite some time. You and I have been in same similar circles for many years now. And uh, I'm just very proud to say that you're one of my C-suite brothers. And I think what you're doing in terms of paying it forward, being of service and being a, a true contributor and somebody who's a true leader, uh, particularly for the times that we currently sit in, where a lot of people are vacillating in and out of fear, uh, people are focusing on the other wrong things, in my opinion, and are succumbing to things that are keeping them immobilized. So to be joined here today by somebody who really knows how to rise and somebody who's always the eternal optimist and knows how to emit positive energy, I want to say thank you. You're a breath of fresh air. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know what? Ditto for you. I mean, talk about optimism. <laughs> <laughs> you're like when you look up the word optimism in the dictionary your picture is there oh Shep, that's lovely i really appreciate that so let's dive in because this is all about you i appreciate the compliments and the flattery but this is not about me this is about you um okay so let's, ta let's talk about your niche and let's talk about what your specialty is because you are really instrumental and you're a, a powerhouse when it comes to creating amazing customer experiences so let's talk about 
the differentiation between what you do and what you say and what other people in an oversaturated industry also claim to do uh, and do equally well. And I know you're not in competition with other people, but let's let's zero in on what makes you particularly fantastic in this realm of business. Well, well, thanks. First, I do believe I'd like to separate myself from my competitors, no doubt. And it is a highly saturated market. So part of what I do is, is exactly that. I, I've been figuring out for years what people aren't doing, and then eventually they catch up, and I keep trying to figure out what the next new um, angle is, the new, whether it be marketing, whether it be a way to promote, whether it actually be a concept that I come up with that's different than others. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And so, and so what have you come upon in your own introspection? Because I mean, to be successful, as with anybody who I've interviewed on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, you have to be highly self-aware. You have to be very tapped into not only your failures, but your successes and have the ability in which to micromanage and go, you know, deeply within and go, okay, what is working? What is not working? What's my skill set? What's not my skill set? What perhaps do I have to then outsource so as to be effective and be constantly, uh, you know, the output is always there, you know, non-negotiably. I'm not dropping the ball on anything. So what have you come to in your own self-diagnosis, assessment, research on self what what makes you glaringly different from other people in terms of having the ability to tap into what other people haven't caught on to or what they, in fact, are not ahead of the curve on as of yet? Wow. There's like seven questions there. And there I'm always try is to with me because I cram everything in. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about a couple of things. Number one, uh, I believe in mentors. So yes. I have had some really amazing people give me direction. I'm not talking about somebody in my actual field. I'm talking about somebody that gave me more uh, a, a bigger picture type of advice. So I'm starting my business way, 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 way back when. And a gentleman who has since passed away, uh, I used to call him my illegitimate father. He was not allowed to call me his illegitimate son. <laughs> this guy was like a, a great father figure to me. And uh, his name was Bud Dietrich, and Bud found out what I was getting ready to do, and he says, Shep, if you want to be successful in this business, which is going out, speaking the, uh, at, at company events, at industry events, he says, you know, if you work on your speech, you can do that in the evenings and on the weekends. He says, you need to spend eight hours a day getting business. If you do that, you'll probably get business. Don't procrastinate by doing things other than what it takes to get business. So I paraphrase this in saying the job isn't doing a speech, it's getting a speech. Now that's what I do for my business. If you're a consultant, the job's not, you know, uh, getting the con or doing the consulting for the client, it's getting the contract. If you sell any, I mean, so that's how my mind started to work. It doesn't matter what you sell. What you sell is just an object or a service, a product or service, but Getting the business is the key because without customers, you don't have a business. So that's the first thing. So what I set out to do, it was, or, and I worked probably, you know, 15 hours a day, but during those normal business hours, I was smiling and dialing and writing letters and responding. There was no email back then uh, when I first started, uh, no websites. So it was quite different. Uh, now, another thing that I do that I think separates me from others is my goal in life is to make the complicated simple in every area of my life. 
And I've chosen that as a really important factor of what I do and how I communicate. I talk about common sense that's not always so common. But when you hear it, you go, yeah, that makes total sense. I've taken something that sometimes is difficult to understand, and I've made it simple to understand. And uh, the final uh, piece, I think, if there's something I do that separates me, is very few people can outwork me. Uh, I love work. It's not even work, uh, but I love doing it. And as a result, I'll put in hours like toiling and sweating and trying to figure it out so I can make a buck. No, I love it so much. You know, I'll, I'll get an idea in the middle of the night for an article and I wake up, I just start writing it, or at least I write the outline down. So um, I think that's an important piece of it is my output of work. And, and by the way, today, uh, the way we get business is through content marketing. So I am putting mm-hmm. out content virtually every single day. Brilliant. So there, there's a few things. Yep. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Well, let me ask you this for the benefit of the listening audience and for eventually the podcast subscribers, because I, you know, my number one priority is always to them. They're the ones who put me on the chart. They're the ones who have loyal listenership and, and buy in here with Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald and my guests of each week. So, you know, for anybody who's sitting on the fence, for anybody who's, you know, quite enamored by you and going, wow, this guy is like kick ass. This guy's got his shit together. This, you know, this guy's awesome. You know, let's break it down because not everybody who I'm talking about at this stage in their journey is uh, or was once upon a time the instantaneous success that people glean happens overnight. So let's talk about some of the failures. <laughs> let's hu- let's humanize this. Let's make this practical. Let's make this realistic. Let let's make this relatable to the listening audience. So. What things, call it hurdles, uh, call it, you know, bad mentorship, call it the things that were equally uh, monumental for you in terms of uh, the common denominator? Because it's not always the things that show up as glaring bullseyes or instantaneous yeses. We learn the most from our toughest lessons and from our adversity. So what are some of the things you've had to overcome but have been a staunch advocate of yourself to say, you know what, this is non-negotiable. I don't care who shuts the door in my face. I'm going forward and people can come along for the ride or not. I'm going. So let's talk about that. Sure. Now, part of my optimism, you know, if you say is the glass half empty or half full, I I say yes, it is. Because, uh, but I'm more of a a half full kind of a guy. Uh, The reason I say yes is that I consider there is some negativity going on out there. There is, uh, there are problems that we have to overcome, but I'm not a pessimist. I am a realist. And the realist in me, with my optimism, allows me to work through those. So I have not had huge failures. I'll tell you what they are, though. Uh, almost everything that I failed at, where I feel like I've lost money, and by the way, I'd say one of the big failures I have on a regular basis, uh, I mean, not often, but I mean, one that I could say happens over and over again over the years is that I get involved with things that suck my time away mm. that I shouldn't have gotten involved in, even if they're congruent with what I do. So I just head down a path that I think is going to work, and I might go a little further than I should before I say, no, this isn't working. But every time I've had a true financial failure, it's because I stepped outside of my lane of expertise and tried to do something different thinking I can make it work. I mean, I remember getting into a little side business where I was the main investor and uh, I I realized after a certain amount of time, I'm not going to make any money in this. And you know what? 
I wonder why I even did it. And uh, <laughs> I sat down and debriefed, and I realized the reason it didn't work is because um, I'm not immersed in that kind of business like I am in my own, where I understand what it is that I do, where I know uh, there's there's just – certain aspects of a business that when you're in it all the time, you know it. And if you go into a different business, well, I believe all businesses might be similar. There's nuances to how you sell and how you build relationships and what may work in a particular business might not work in another business. So that was my big two or three times I've invested in, in time and money into something I shouldn't have. Um, you know, missed opportunities, um, I'd say, um, that would be, I don't know if you call those failures, but I've been, um, I, I've turned down people I shouldn't have turned down. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the client said, hey, we don't have any money, and I didn't come up with a creative way not to get money out of them. But today, for example, uh, we just worked a, a small um, arrangement with a uh, client. Uh, they're not going to pay me any money. They're going to pay me stock options or a startup. So I have a number of these types of of opportunities that allow me to maybe down the road they'll pay off, but today they don't. But it's worth doing because I feel I could be of value to them and I can learn from them as well. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, let's talk about, you know, when we talk about two people. So let's say we've got two leaders, okay, doing similar things, Mm -hmm. perhaps have a similar business type model, but there's always one who's going to outshine the other right? Just because they're in total alignment with themselves or because they know how to intuitively make sound decisions that resonate or convert business-wise, monetarily, stock options, whatever the case may be, contacts, resources. So what makes you the attractor factor? Because you most definitely are, but I would like to hear it from your perspective. I think depth of knowledge is real important. So Mm -hmm. in addition to all of uh, the I guess, personality traits that you need to have uh, for good leadership or you need to have for a, to be attractive to others. In addition to that, there needs to be a depth of knowledge. And I believe at this point in my career, and I've probably been this way for many years, I can sit in the room with the highest level executives of organizations, and I will almost give them something of value every time. Um, it might be just an idea, a nuance, hey, have you thought about this? And that only comes from a depth of knowledge and a breadth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go deep in that I read every single day, uh, probably read throughout the day 8 to 10, 12 articles a day. Um, I force myself to do this because, number one, I think it's good. And number two, I write a column every Monday where I get to choose my five favorite articles of the week. And I want to just make sure I have lots of options. I also read about a book every, I'm going to say, uh, maybe almost every two weeks. Uh, probably uh, on average 20 to 30 books a year. So once again, that gives me a deeper uh, understanding. By the way, it's not so much that I read these and they, uh, I'm sure they, they sway me one way or the other, but my goal is I like looking at both sides. I love reading a book that says you should do this, and then the next book I read says you should never do that exact same thing. <laughs> it's fun to find out what <laughs> and how people think. Yes, 
It absolutely is. Fantastic, Shep. So let's talk about from your perspective, whether it's people doing similar things uh, to yourself or completely vastly different. When you look at people who are thought leaders, when you look at people who are center stage, who have genuine, legitimate buy-in from other people around the globe in the world of business, who do you look at and go, yeah, they've got it down pat. They're doing wonderful, awesome, brilliant things. That's somebody who I definitely want to pay attention to or would recommend that other people also equally pay attention to. Who is that person for you or people? Wow. So, you, well, I'll give you a generality and then I'll get specific, okay, okay. and give you names. All right. In general, I think what attracts me is somebody that's done a tremendous amount of research and can back it up with fact. Mm -hmm. And then there's the actual real deal, the, uh, the practitioner, the, uh, the person that actually did what it is. In my world of customer service and experience, there's people like uh, Bruce Temkin who are with Forrester. I admire what he's done, what he writes about, uh, and, I, and I love his interpretations on the whole customer experience. When I have the honor of talking to someone like uh, a Tony Shea at Zappos or Horst Schultz, uh, the co-founder and first president of the Ritz-Carlton, those are the ones that go, wow, these are the guys that did it. They built these companies, and they did it with all, uh, you know, all based on service and experience. And, and sure, they had a lot, of, but there was so much of it. You know, uh, I've never met Jeff Bezos, and I hope I have a chance to do so one day. But that guy figured it out. He put the customer first. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's like if you said to me, who would I want to, you know, living or dead, who would I want to spend, you know, uh, an evening with? Name five people. <laughs> I, mean, you, I don't know if you ever played that game before. Yes. Um, but, but, I mean, these are in my world. If I, had, if I could only, if I had to stay in my area of expertise, you know, folks like that are the ones that would, would turn me on and get me excited about spending time with them. Beautiful. Fantastic. And so, you know, I take it to be your type A personality. That rings true to me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you are. Oh, yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. There we go. And so obviously you try to be present so you can appreciate and be in gratitude for what it is that you've not already amassed for yourself, but just especially in current times right now where we can appreciate perhaps collectively what we all took for granted. But as somebody who really soaks in what it is they've done currently, the labor of love, the successes, the accolades, you're always looking at what's next. So what is next, whether it call be a book, whether it be a speaking circuit, when you can get back on the tangible stage, what what mm -hmm. is that for you, Shep? What 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 is it that you're embarking upon now that you can comfortably talk about? <laughs> sure. Well, about uh, you know the middle of the whole pandemic, uh, my publisher still released my book, which was fine. We we talked about it, but what a terrible time to release a book. <laughs> when I Amazon actually, is saying, I I disagree, but we'll talk about that in a minute. You go ahead. Well, well, the the reason is is Amazon won't even ship the books for like a month. And trying to get people their books is, is – but I've had fun talking to clients, and I created a, a virtual book club uh, mm -hmm. with the book. And so we, we've had a lot of fun doing some online virtual meetings, you know, using the technologies we have to be able to work remotely. You know, I can put four or 500 people onto a webinar, and just – it's great. We, we talk about the book, and um, I've done something called quarantine training. But anyway, that, that's <laughs> – all yeah because <laughs> when you're in quarantine why not grow when it's slow or when you're That's stuck at home brilliant. 
I call it corn training. And what I actually did is gave away one of my courses. And by the way, let's, I'm, it's still active. So if anybody goes to uh, hyken, H-Y-K-E-N dot com forward slash quarantine training, they will get a free course. And by the way, there's no, no salesman is ever going to call you. That's not, I don't really care. Most people that have, uh, I already have their email address because that's, they're on my email list who I send out. If you show up, you will have to actually put your name and email in in order to uh, get enrolled in the course because you have your password and all of that. Mm -hmm. But it's not about me uh, selling you anything. So I did that truly with the altruistic uh, idea of let's just give something. People are like really sometimes going crazy. They're bored. They're nervous. Let's distract them. If they like business, this is something for them to do. And we had hundreds and hundreds of people sign up in the first 24 hours. It was great. I think we had like 600 people the first day. I thought, wow, I was going to then do a follow-up webinar on this. I'm worried how many people are going to show up for that. And an amazing number of people did. Fantastic. Anyway, I digress. What's no. coming up next? Always writing a new book, thinking about a new book. Um, I've got an idea that I just actually started the outline, which, by the way, one of the uh, opportunities during this time of crisis is that uh, I have a little more time and that I'm not traveling as much. So I'm in, my, uh, in front of my computer in my mode of, of being creative. And I, I thought, what makes people go back to the businesses that they go? I mean, that, that's, it's one thing. So, oh, yeah, the customer service and experience. I get that. But, I mean, what makes somebody say, I want to go back? And that, to me, is the most important measurement. Everybody talks about customer satisfaction and measuring it. The NPS, Net Promoter Score, for those that don't know what that is, it's a question if you were willing to recommend me to a friend or a colleague. And that information tells me a lot. But I've always told my clients, you want to know the most important metric that you can have? What? Does the customer come back? Yeah. So even though I've written uh, a number of books on this topic of customer service and experience, I want to get a little bit more, um, I guess, some of its strategy, but very tactical on what's going to drive that return experience. That's the key. And, and, and by the way, in order to have a return customer, you have to make them happy. So all the books are still extremely relevant. But let's get specific. This is what drives the return customer. So that's Fantastic. what's coming up next. I don't know if it's going to be out later this year. Probably be about early next year when it finally sees light of day. Fantastic. Well, you kind of touched upon what it was that I was going to say in terms of my personal opinion of this being, in fact, the best time to launch a book because you're not the first person who I've interviewed since the pandemic hit who had a book launch that was synchronized in the midst of all of this. And really, you know, it, it does as an innovator, as an entrepreneur, as everything in terms of our DNA, it really does propel you into, okay, how can I make this work? How can I make this ideal? And in terms of what you just mentioned about your online course, that may not necessarily have been factored into how you would have done or have previously done uh, the rollout of book launches, right? You go to a bookstore, you do a book signing, you do all these other things. Um, but again, that's the old way. That's the old way of how people 
conducted business. But fast forward to what you're doing now, and you, again, identifying that you're an A-type personality, you're really thinking outside of the box, you're always looking to expand upon your current knowledge base. And so I just want to say, I think what you're doing and how you're doing it and executing is fantastic. And it's also insight for the listening audience, for other authors who perhaps have a book launch in the wings, and they're going, okay, what am I going to do in, in, in light of current times? Well, this is perfect because everybody's got more time and everybody's looking to ingest more content and keep themselves stimulated. This is the perfect opportunity for so many things that we'll never be able to recapture again. So I love that you offered and imparted that because that's a tidbit for anybody else who can, you know, uh, hop on the, the tail coat of that and go, yeah, I, I'm going to do what Shep's doing. That's brilliant. <laughs> well, so, here's the thing. It's, it's some people, this is bad. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, my income has dropped substantially. And we've come up with uh, clever and novel ways that we probably wouldn't be as focused on if things were business as usual, but mm -hmm. they're not. So we're, we're looking. Uh, one of the first things I did, I keep using that word things, and I have a speech coach, Patricia Fripp. I don't know if you know her, but she says, if you use that word things one more time. So <laughs> one of the first ideas that I came up there with we go. is, uh, needed to create um, a short presentation on what to do today. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're in a COVID-19 pandemic or if you're in any type of crisis mode. So I, I came up with a list of what I thought were really important to um, you know, share with my team, to share with even the world. So one of which is, first of all, be a beacon of hope. Versus, yes. And, and there, back to our original question that you had earlier, you know, I'm optimistic. And I think optimism and realism are really important in a leader because that instills confidence. Look mm -hmm. for alternatives, different ways to do business, which is exactly what the quarantine training is. Hey, you've heard of the bed talk. I'm sorry, the, the TED talk. Uh, <laughs> my friend, uh, <laughs> so there's a Freudian slip. No, it I'm isn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why, okay? The TED Talk, we all know, 20 minutes, very scripted, has to have tremendous value, big audience. Well, we can't do that today. So my friend Stan Phelps and his co-author of his book, uh, The Pink Goldfish or whatever, came up with this idea and a challenge to do a bed talk. That's right. Since we can't leave our homes, let's Love just it. do the talk from our bed. And it's five minutes or less, has to have a relevant uh, message, and, and – it is unscripted. So you just sit in your bed and you talk for a few minutes <laughs> and make I it relevant. It. And, and, and so there's an alternative. But I came up with uh, the idea of being optimistic, looking for alternatives, uh, staying in touch. Now is an opportunity. You know, a lot of people won't pick up their phone when they're at their office, but now they're not at their office. Their phones are being forwarded to their cell phones or Maybe we have their cell phone numbers. What a great time to just pick up the phone. And by the way, if you think you're going to sell, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're just going to talk and just say, hey, how you doing? And you, this is what this has done. This COVID-19 pandemic has given us an opportunity to call a customer that we haven't talked to in two or three years and just say, you know, I, I probably should be in touch with you more often. Well, now I have time to do it. And I've been going back and looking at all the people that – I should be talking to that I should I just want to say hello and let you know I'm here and hey when the time is right 
maybe we can get back together and talk again about business. But for now, I just hope you're doing really, really well. That's how it works. Yes. So you're staying in touch. Um, the other thing that I think is really important, and I go back to this optimism, is to have an attitude of gratitude. Yes. Be- before all of these, uh, all of this bad, uh, you know, the disease and the death and all that, it's there and we can't get away from it. There's no doubt. And that is sad. And it's, it really tears at my heart. But I know that the good old days were not years ago. They were two months ago. Mm. And two months ago, I was complaining, you know, maybe about being stuck in traffic. Or maybe I was complaining that I didn't get my first class upgrade on that long flight. And I had to sit in between two big guys named Bubba in a middle <laughs> seat in the back of the plane. <laughs> okay. So, but you know what? What I would do right now to be sitting in the back of a plane between two guys named Bubba on my way to a speaking engagement. So here's what I think is going to happen is that we're going to have this renewed appreciation of the normal things that were small and insignificant that bothered us won't really bother us, at least for a while. And there will be some permanent changes that come out of this that are for the good. Um, And then, you know, I just wrote an article. uh, It'll, it'll show up this Sunday. Um, and I write an article for Forbes every Sunday, and this is how, you know, COVID-19, there is a reason to smile. About a month or two ago, whenever two months, whenever this whole thing started, everything on the news was sensationalized, negative sensationalism. Yes. Every, the world's, you know, it's terrible. Everything's going to go to, you know, it's, it's the end of the, who knows, the economy, everything. You turn it on. And by the way, there's still quite a bit of negative news. But you know what I noticed in the past couple of weeks? is they're starting to replace a lot of that negativity with these positive experiences that companies mm-hmm. are created. Uh, credit card companies are waiving, you know, their late fees. Uh, landlords are giving their, their you know, homeowner tenants uh, opportunity to skip a month and maybe just add it on at the end of the lease in you know, an extra month to give them a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed this, and then I started – it wasn't just industries that were doing this. I started to notice specific companies. I just wrote about this company, Liquid IV. I had no idea what they were, but then I found out. I go, oh, I've actually used that product. And it's a little powdered substance that goes into your water that actually gives you more um, of a health benefit to the hydration effect of water. And with all these healthcare workers that are overworked, they're becoming dehydrated, this guy donated 1.8 million pieces of his product to more than 1,000 hospitals for their healthcare workers. Wow. Uh, Yeah. I, I'm, I watched on 60 Minutes and you know, the CBS morning show about how a guy who's basically broke says, you know what, my restaurant's closed, but I could still make food. And he starts even food for people that can't afford it. He's made over a thousand meals. You know, that, I, I look at this, I'm going, think of the good that's coming out of this. This is what my friend Joey Coleman, if you haven't had Joey Coleman on the show, it's time for you to call him and get him on the show. Okay. Joey <laughs> is a brilliant man, and he said to me, you know what this whole pandemic did, this whole crisis? Whenever anybody's in crisis, it magnifies your personalities. So if you are a pessimist, you're going to be more of a pessimist. If you're an Bingo. optimist, you're going to – right. And if you're a giver – you're going to give even more. And we are seeing some amazing people who normally they're – it's not that they want exposure. No, it's just they decide to step up and give even more than they ever gave before, and it's being noticed. 
So there's a lot of good that's coming out of this and a lot of reason to smile amongst all this bad crap that's happening. Mm, couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, as I've been saying recently, I te- you know, I've tested positive for optimism. You know, like, let's just put bad news on its head. I've tested positive yeah. for optimism, right? And that speaks to Love the it. current times, but that's always been part of my DNA. So, you know, living fearlessly means different things to different people. And so for, again, the benefit of the listening audience and the podcast subscribers, what does that mean to you, Shep, specifically? I mean, clearly you embody it. Clearly you step into it every day. But what does it actually mean if you have to break it down succinctly into a message? Well, I'm going to give you an example. I'm about 31 or 32 years old. My business has been rolling for about eight or nine years at that point. And I decide to take uh, a little bit of a risk and, and try to create a, uh, a version of what I'm doing for my regular clients uh, in a public seminar format. So I work with a partner, and I'll never forget, my mom's dating this guy. And this guy, I, he basically says, you know what? When you're young, it's real easy when you don't have a family. What are you talking about? I had one kid, one on the way, and uh, you know what? Yeah, I guess there wasn't – was there a risk? Yeah, I put some money behind it and a lot of energy behind it, and it was very successful. But I'll never forget when he said, you know, he can can do that at his age. Well, you know what? I'm a whole lot older than I am – that was like more than 20 years ago, and I still find myself doing exactly what, what would have scared this guy. Mm. You know, trying something new, you know, uh, whether I'll, in 2008 or nine, I can't remember what it was. I came home from a conference and I said to my wife, I need to learn about this Twitter thing. This looks really <laughs> interesting. <You know? laughs> so, so now there's nothing scary about Twitter. And by the way, I still, it took me like longer than my, most of my friends to wrap my head around what Twitter really was. <laughs> But I, why are we why are we telling people that we're going to the restaurant tonight? Why why do they want to know? So, so, but what what happened? It was my first exposure to really social media. You know, for mm. for I think taking it uh, uh, to a business level too, and. You know, I can imagine that guy saying, you know what, what I could just I could see him beating me down and saying to me, you know, why are you doing this? What difference is it going to make? Why do people really want that information? Nobody's going to listen to it. Well, I'm glad I don't listen to those people. And I'm mm. glad I go with my own gut and my instinct. And by the way, the instinct, a lot of it is based on data because I I do analyze and study before I make decisions. But um Sometimes I go against uh, the grain. And by the way, when, I, when my mom's dating a guy who's older than me and I respect him and he's a really nice guy, I'm going to really, really listen. But when he said, you know, it's, it's easy to do when you're young and take a risk like that. What are you talking about? Take a yes. risk at any time. You yes. know, get out of bed and go to work and try something new. <laughs> Even the smallest thing, I guess it's a risk. Right. Well, it's a risk to even change your mindset, right? When you realize that old doctrinated patterns of beliefs and it doesn't serve us anymore. Get with the times, buddy. Right, right. By the way, most of the people at my age that hire me are a little younger than me. Not much younger, but they are younger. And I'm going, wow, there's going to be a point in time when they're really younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) So, and you know something, I'm going to learn a whole lot more from them than they're going to probably learn from me. But it's really interesting when somebody once said to me, well, you know, we're not so sure, you know, uh, you know, I'm in my fifties and, and uh, not so sure, 
that you know you're going to resonate with your audience and i go you know what i get it i get it you know uh but you know i've been how old are you he goes i'm 37 i go i've been 37 before have you been my age he goes what do you mean i said there's a between where you are and what i've been and that's called wisdom yeah there's a lot you know that we can share and we also have to recognize that new ideas and fresh ideas are going to come from from being able to think outside of what we've been taught and what we think is normal. And that's really important. I mean, we see the shift. Uh, I just did a great survey in, uh, uh, at the very end of the year. It's, it's the 2020 survey. We call it the you know, uh, you know, customer amazement survey that I created. And I, I asked questions. And one of the questions was, what's your favorite channel of communication to call a company? And I listed a bunch of them, phone, email, Twitter, Facebook, you know, uh, apps, you know, things like that. So, of course, uh, the phone won, which I was yep. surprised because everybody's saying the phone's dropping. It is dropping. And it, but it, it wasn't like it, it, it won big. But when it came time to ease of use and looking at that, people found that email was even more easy, was easier than the phone. And then when it came to social media, while social media didn't rank real high on what channel people prefer – in general, it, that mm -hmm. was the answer. But if you start to look at it by age, people over 40, they like the phone. People mm -hmm. under 40, they like using social media. So, I mean, uh, it's that millennial mindset versus a boomer mindset or, you know, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. it's, but it's really mm -hmm. fascinating to look at this. And I think the smart people, both young and old, will take a look at other generations and other ways of thinking and extract what they can from it. Bingo. Bingo. Absolutely. Well, the more receptive you are and getting out of your own way for what you perceive as always being the right way or the only way, you know, you're going to get left behind if that's the way you're still thinking, particularly in current times where we have to shift into new paradigms of thinking where business is concerned. Uh, you know, so if people don't want to get left behind, then you're going to have to rethink things. You're going to have to go back to the drawing board and you're going to have to get creative and you're going to have to get innovative and you're going to have to default to things that are not necessarily within your skill set or your realm of comprehension for how you once upon a time comfortably got behind a keyboard or did anything to conduct business. So I appreciate you having used that as an example because people are going to have to start thinking about all the resources we have at our disposal and looking at how people apply them, where you're going to find people, what people tap into versus what they don't and, and go fly with it. And you're going to fumble your way through it. We're all fumbling a little bit to some degree, but that's where the growth is. Right. You can't you can't yep. become complacent and, and, and default to mediocrity and think that things are going to take off and sail for you. It's not. You're going to implode. Um, Something so, as, as simple as playing golf, for example, if you've never mm -hmm. played golf before and you go to the driving range, it can become extremely frustrating. Or maybe you've never played piano and, the, and you think, oh, that looks so easy. It's not easy. You're mm -hmm. going to fumble around. It's going to take practice. And then one day something clicks and you get it. And, and the growth in virtually any area, be it business, uh, some type of skill, artistic talent, um, it grows really quick. And, and, and then as you, you know, once, this little, uh, once something clicks in place, and then you start to level off, but ideally you have continuous growth beyond that. Absolutely. And there's a reason, you know, I, I, uh, people, you know, why should we hire a coach, you know, to help us? Well, I go to a coach once a quarter. 
I've been going to this guy, Dan Sullivan, and his program, his coaches. He's up in Chicago. As a matter of fact, he's uh, from the Ontario area originally. Awesome. Um, yeah, so even better, right? I think he has dual citizenship. So Good for him. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of the things, it's like, you know, my wife is always saying, are you going to sign up for that again for another year? I go, you know, look at, let's take a look at the best athletes in the world. You know, mm-hmm. they're constantly training, and they have a coach. You know, when I saw a picture of Tiger Woods it, it, at the very top of his career, putting with his coach next to him, helping him, I'm thinking, why does he need somebody to tell him how to putt better? But he mm-hmm. does need somebody. That's mm-hmm. the key. So we always need somebody to mentor us and keep us focused and maybe just give us ideas and get us into alignment. And, and I think that's where the, uh, the strength is, is if you're willing to be open-minded and take that information from others. Absolutely. Well, if we're going to use, and I love sports as an analogy because it covers every aspect and facet of life, but I don't know anybody who's made it to the Olympics who did not have a coach. Like you show me an athlete that made it to that level, the echelon, the creme de la creme, and you know, whether they qualified or they actually, they, they meddled, right? I don't know anybody who made it to that level without having a coach and maybe having a few in the mix throughout the course of their career. Yeah, that's what it takes. Uh, and, and still, even at the top, top level, they're still going to their coach. Yes. Yes. And it's not just enough to go through the motions of, of coaching up or mentoring up. You've got to be actually coachable, right? You've got to, like, leave your yeah. ego at the door and say, okay, this person obviously is successful for a reason. They've obviously aspired and influenced other people to get to the point of what they wanted to embark upon. Maybe I need to just park myself and, and just be completely receptive to whatever they have to say, even if it challenges my ego. Yeah, I think any. I think there's no room for it. No. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, we this past year, the St. Louis Blues won its first Stanley Cup championship. Yeah. And coach, coach, yay! Yeah. Yay! You, you, you know, but and there were some lessons that uh, anybody could learn along the way. And one of the lessons was Coach Barubi, uh, who was brought in and he took over the uh, what was to become the very last place team in all of hockey and then take it from worst to first. Uh, one of the, he had three really important, I, I'm going to try to remember what all three of them, but I know the one that ties to this. You know, he says, first of all, you're a highly paid professional, so you better get out there and do the best job that you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, I, oh, I know what it was. The, the third one is, I'll give you the third one, and then I'll tell you what the second was. The third one was, we expect you to make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. But the second one, I think, is the one that pertains to what we're talking about, and that is, this is a team sport without room for any ego. And if yep. you have an ego, you're benched. You could be the best player on the team, but if you can't, if you're not willing to pass the puck, be part of the team, support others, and let others support you, you're out. And that's what we had. We had a team that was just focused on those three areas, and it worked. Fantastic. Fantastic, Shep. Well, being cognizant of time, a couple things. I want to give you the opportunity to let the listening audience and the podcast subscribers know where it is that they can connect with you, where, again, they can sign up for your online event that you've got going on to get plugged into your book <laughs> Quarant right? training yeah thank you <laughs> you know so where can people reach out to you or for any perspective kind of collaboration partnership upcoming speaking engagements where can people connect with you 
Sure, hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. If you add the forward slash corn training, uh, of course, I'm on every social media channel, uh, almost everyone. There's some that I, I would stay away from that don't work with us. But uh, mm-hmm. then, uh, hey, we have, uh, we have our podcast as well. It's called Amazing Business Radio. I have a TV show called Be Amazing or Go Home. That's on Amazon Prime <laughs> and it. Roku. And, yeah, you love it. It's the word amazing over and over again. Yeah. Fantastic. That's my mantra. Be ama- so we have a three-word mantra here. It's always be amazing. And we're always thinking how we can be amazing for a client, teach them to be amazing. And I want to be amazing here. I want them to have a great experience working here too. Well, I love the fact that you walk your talk because a lot of people got their branding and their stick down, but they don't, they don't implement it, you know, in terms of the congruency or the alignment. And uh, you do. You're high energy. You're high vibing. I, I've loved this interview. I love our synergy. And I would really encourage the listening audience and the podcast subscribers to reach out to you in any which way that something you said uh, really spawned some interest or I got to know more about this guy outside of Lisa's 55-minute interview. But I would like to also give you the opportunity to what what did I glean over? What did I not pick up on that you think is uh, important for you to impress upon the listening audience here today? Well, we've talked about so many things. Uh, w- what we talked about uh, was general. We didn't get specific into customer service and experience, but that's not what this show is about. Right. Uh, but I would have to say that if I were going to pass off any uh, advice, if you will, about my expertise to this audience is that everybody is in customer service. Everybody delivering customer experience. You don't even have to see a customer. But if you are in, in, and by the way, if you're not noticed, if you miss a day of work, you may not be noticed. If you miss a week of work and nobody noticed, you're probably not serving (laughs) somebody very well. But that isn't that the truth, and you'll probably eventually be looking for another job. But recognize this. Service isn't a department. It's, It's a philosophy. It's about taking care of others, be it an internal customer or external customer. It's about just building that relationship and creating a confidence. Um, This is what I want everybody to think about. Uh, There's a word always. I love the word always. And when it's followed by something positive, Mm -hmm. so for example, they're always so friendly. They're always so helpful. They always return my call quickly. That's what you need to do in business and in life because you want to create a predictable and consistent experience that creates confidence with others, others who you work with, others you do business with, and even the others that you just hang around, live with, and love. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I just want to say I I can't thank you enough for the gift of your time, Shep. I've absolutely loved the flow. Your cadence is great. You're a great speaker. I'm all about cadence because I'm always looking to extract as much as I possibly can uh, from each of my weekly guests. And sometimes I feel they shortchange themselves only because they don't speak fast enough, but they don't, you know, but it's succinct messaging. And you unpacked a lot here, uh, all equally uh, instrumental, all invaluable. And I just want to say as a host, you've made this super easy for me. And I just thoroughly well, enjoy you. Yeah, I just thoroughly <laughs> enjoy you. Um, and uh, and hopefully we can, uh, when, you know, things get back to normal with traveling and, and uh, public events, I hope to see you at a C-suite event. I hope so. Our paths will cross hopefully sooner than later. 
Absolutely, they will. And again, you're always welcome to come back as a returning guest to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, because no doubt for your trajectory uh, and for your enthusiasm and your energy, you're always going to have new things that you're banging out continuously. And what better place to share that with the listening audience and the podcast subscribers than here on on live radio and uh, in media land. So you're always welcome back, Shop. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, absolutely. And anything I can do behind the scenes to further help you. I mean, you're highly connected. You you know, you've got it down pat to your own little science that's working for you. But if there's anything I can do to further assist you in any way, like you, I'm about paying it forward and being of service. And it would be an honor and it would be my pleasure. Absolutely. Well, thank would. you. And same here. Back at you with those. Good, well, good thoughts. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So once again, where can people reach you? Uh, Hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N. That's the easiest way. And uh, I've got to, you just leave a message there and my phone number's there, anything you need. And I hope to see you on social media, hope to hear from you. And if you take the corn training, let me know what you thought of it. I love that title. You're so brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) That is so brilliant. Anyways, to my listening audience, I want to thank you as well for the gift of your time for uh, tuning in to myself and my phenomenal guest of today, Shep Hyken. I really encourage you to get the book. I really encourage you to reach out to him, tap into whatever he's got going on, because you're only going to come out feeling uh, further energized and invigorated. And who knows what that's going to do to shift your own creativity, especially in the business world and in the marketplace. So I just want to, once again, let it be known, I'm very emphatically clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. So until next Friday, when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, I want to wish you a safe, healthy, and uplifted weekend. Take care, love, and gratitude to all of you, as well as to you and your family, Shep. All my best. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.